1: a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Reagan Gillum, a host on the channel. And today I'm talking to Dr. Nisette Falou, who is the author of the book Unseen Flesh, Gynecology and Black Queer Worthmaking in Brazil, published by Duke University Press. Dr. Falou, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Reagan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited
0: about this conversation with you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for being here, and I'm also really excited to talk about your book, and I usually begin by asking authors to introduce themselves, and I wanted to begin with your acknowledgments, where you write, truth be told, I never dreamed of being an anthropologist, and I wanted to start with that because here you are, an anthropologist, having written this book, and so I wondered how you came to be an anthropologist and write this ethnography of Black queer women and worth making in Brazil.
0: Thank you for that. Thank you for digging that out of the acknowledgements, actually, I, uh, the acknowledgements for me is, off, it was just felt very organic, just very deeply reflective. And I, um, uh, just to, the, the just a really brief reflection, when I started um, the PhD studies, the doctoral program, I was actually in religious studies, um, in the PhD program at Rice and then two years later because the project changed um, and I was already set out to do ethnography for a different project um, and had already started taking um, PhD level anthropology theory courses, the shift from one program to another. um, It's how I ended up in an anthropology department at Rice University. But it made perfect sense because Um, I wanted to do ethnography, wanted to focus on people's lived experiences, context, um, and the very social cultural analysis uh, methodologically, analytically that I was um, eager to learn how to do and do um, is, is what the field, you know, kind of opened up for me. Um, And so the switch was healthy. Um, And yeah, and so then I was an anthropologist.
1: (laughs) Great, great. Um, And so I wondered about the arguments for the book. Um, So in the book, you argue that one one of your arguments is Quote, that Black lesbians incrementally enforce their worth within the intimate violence of gynecology, steering how you elevate, protect, and chart their well-being within medical spaces. And so just using that, I guess, as a jumping off point, can you give us an overview of uh, some of what the book is arguing? Sure. Thank you for that
0: question. So this Well, okay, so I can reflect on the argument a bit. Also, um, kind of rooted in that transition as an anthropologist, Um, um, I had uh, had been traveling to Brazil for since two thousand and seven for several years um, prior to prior to doing the actual research and fieldwork, and um, very steeped in the the black the Brazilian black. Lesbian community in Salvador, Bahia, um, but did not know a lot about the healthcare system, um, only topically from like public discourses and you know some of the issues that you know would come up generally about issues of health in the Black population here, um, in conversations and and so forth. Then um, and so wh- I was and so another another piece to how I landed on eventually the argument of the book is that I practiced um, medicine as a physician assistant for some time. And I was very cognizant, I became at some point very cognizant about the invisibility of black lesbians in, 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 in the, in the physical exam, clinical, right? Kind of exam, the medical, in the medical context, Um, but specifically right in the the doctor's office Um, anyway. And so. I took these questions and concerns to, to Salvador, and after preliminary research and questions, it was very evident that there was a lot of trauma by many black queer women in Salvador um, you know, as a result of the experiences with their gynecologist. Um, but social trauma, right? It kind of just the, the ways in which they described and use the word prejudice and blackness and to queerness, so forth and so on. And physical trauma, aggressive exams and so forth. Um, and so that's how the research started. The research started exploring that trauma, the ways in which they understand what was happening and the ways in which they interpret those experiences um, within those medical spaces based on how they lived their lives you know, in the quotidian every day, kind of right in the face of anti-blackness, anti-queerness, you know, gender issues and so forth. Um, and, And so I would say that the other really important component was that at the time I was very invested in ethics. Um, and so over time through a black feminist lens, I kind of grew into thinking more expansively about ethical value, self-making, worth value right from different kind of perspectives um, um, the, from the you know from from the women's kind of point of view and, and 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 ways of existing again in those spaces medical spaces and in the everyday world um, and so, the over time, both during the field field work and in writing the book, um, the argument really kind of morphed into how do we think about the ways in which Brazilian black queer women um, grip onto their self value and the processes of of worth making, the kind of iterative iteratives, you know, reinforcing their self-esteem, their confidence, um, and their, um, and their knowledge production of resisting anti-Blackness and anti-queerness within those spaces and how that speaks to kind of making well-being right in the moment. Um, um, particularly as you know and it's particularly for for those um who've experienced trauma in those spaces and so when they re enter those spaces they kind of have to um they have to you know they have to they have to step into the space with more awareness about um who they are um and how they value themselves and what's important to them and how to resist the the the, 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 the you know how to resist any anticipating, and anticipating right of, of experiencing trauma again. Anyway, so that, that's, that's, that's the argument, right? That that's kind of how the argument unfolded.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's great. Thank you for that, um, overview of the, of the book. And I, I liked how you also talked about how you, you know, came to it and how you look in these, um, in the spaces of gynecology, in the office, um, in these interactions with, you know, with doctors. And I wanted to ask this question about gynecology because one might think it's like this objective practice where like one's intimate parts are examined, right? Like that's all it is. But in the book, you're contending that gynecology is a heteronormative practice, you know, centered around reproduction. And so I wondered if you could expand upon this. Like how is gynecology intertwined with these social values that, you know, really um, you know dominate in society?
0: Reagan, thank you for that question because in fact, that is the impetus of the work for me, um, both in the book and the research, but also in the public facing that I do, precisely um, precisely, My clinical lens, right, it affords me the opportunity to interrogate, right, the ways in which medicine manages, handles, manipulates biological, right, and how medical authority um, is inserted um, and how, you know, patients are kind of immediately become subjects or objects, right, if you will, particularly black folks. And, and I was looking for something as a researcher different, right? I needed to do a social analysis right of the space. Um, and I have over time been invested in thinking about reproductive, re- reproductive justice or reproduction very much through the lens of how the, how race, sexuality and gender and class is made in those spaces. Um, and constantly, right? Not just social historically, as we have plenty evidence of through the work of Donna Donna I Davis and Deidre Cooper Owens and many others, um, but more intimately, right? The, the 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 ways in which physicians are constantly reproducing the systemics. The, the the systems of power within medicine about anti blackness medical racism gender domination heteronormativity and and how right that kind of gets inserted through physicians own socialities if you will um, within the space so um, so as part of that as as part of as part of that strategy analytical strategy. Um, And so, and we also know intersectional work is so difficult, right? It's challenging Um, parsing out, right, how each system of power works, but also kind of pulling together how they work together, right, systemically. Um, And so, heteronormativity, right, was very important for me. Um, It was it was key uh, to 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 making to eliciting, especially in the work. How, for example, the gynecologic exam or the pelvic exam, right, is structured in a heteronormative way, um, not designed, for example, to uh, to to consider, right, um, or to be uh, to consider um, any specific needs, right, or even the existence of queer female bodies, right, or queer women. Um, or even any other, right, kind of any other situations such as uh, virginity, which I talk in the book, right? Or, you know, and it's not that physicians cannot shift their exams, for example, or their conversations to, uh, to, which they can and they often do to accommodate and be more sensitive and compassionate to difference, gender, sexual difference, um, but But physicians are trained in a very heteronormative way. And so I needed to think about, particularly by way of the ways, by way that my participants described their very heteronormative, not just described, but how they were so... the, the way by way that they protested in their conversations with me the very heteronormative taxing strategies that they experienced um, um in the exam um, which was very much entangled with anti-blackness um, for them but so so that so that so so yeah so that analysis of heteronormativity which is very absent um in much of the work um, around gynecology or even reproductive uh, justice. Um, you know, and, and, you know, in reproductive justice, uh, more specifically different type of research, right. Whether it's outside of maternal or birthing, um, it took, so so, so this is, so that was the commitment to really do a heteronormative an analysis of heteronormativity, right. As a system of power inside of that space.
1: hmm yeah, yeah, and I think that's so important because I mean that's one of the things that I've always sort of gotten from my medical anthropology classes is how medicine is not this you know so many people think it's this objective system of just as you said the biology that that's what it is it's just science it's it's like no um i think what medical anthropology brings is that it's imbricated within all of these systems of power that we see you know across society as well um and so your you know use of the idea of like heteronormativity of gynecology is is so you know is so critical to bring to that space when you consider the the subject um of a like a black queer woman um, and so I wanted to, I guess, continue on that, that question of, um, you have this term gyno-trauma. Um, and so I wanted to kind of bring that to the fore because it seemed like a term that you, know, you were specifically contributing um, to, the, to the discussion of, of these encounters. And so you, you define it as the, act, the affective injuries and social burdens from intersectional prejudices and abuses of power. And so I wondered if you could expand on that um, that term that you that you offer about how Black lesbians experience these spaces.
0: Yes, thank you. Gano trauma, a term that I pretty much invented, <laughs> um, conceived, is um, is is a is, a, is a, it, it derives from this idea of gynecological trauma. Um, so gynecological trauma medically defined, right. Is any trauma, uh, to the pelvic area definitions will attribute it to, let's say a sexual violence or, um, or perhaps a, a surgical procedure um, trauma literally right to the pelvic area, a fall, right? A number uh, of other issues, um, but it does not, right? Uh, it, it doesn't center um, wherever you may find the definition of it. Let's say um, trauma from an aggressive pelvic exam using either speculum or manual exam um, because the physician is not is neither cognizant um, or, or they may even be uncomfortable, right, with this person um, for, you know, the reasons already discussed, um, the ways in which anti-blackness, anti-blackness works, or, right, the kind of discomfort around, um, you know, oh, this person is a lesbian or homosexual right here in Brazil. And through that lens, right, my participants, right, described, um, much of, you know, much about aggressive examinations. Um, one specific, um, a person who's in chapter two, in fact, their, um, their sole purpose for wanting to talk to me and spend time with me was because of pelvic pain from their examinations, despite the ways that they try to, um, That they tried to warn a gynecologist or physician about how uncomfortable the public exam was, Um, and this person, both black and masculine presenting, they really believe that um, the physicians um, did not care because they were, you know, the kind of, you know, they they because of their kind of their their queer uh, representation, gender representation, and so it was a kind of response, right to. Um, to almost rejecting them in the space. It, it, it sounds kind of, it sounds cruel, but you know, this is just how, what I call it, Ghana trauma, like intimate violence. So it, so it was, so, so Ghana trauma. So I needed a, um, I needed a analytic term to not just expand or debunk gynecological trauma from this medical perspective but through but to also so to expand the gynecological trauma a trauma in gynecology literally through to the social forms of trauma um, that were happening in this space emotional trauma physical trauma um, uh, spiritual trauma um, and social trauma even by itself right that power relation right in the trauma that's created just by interaction. Um. Yeah. So that that is the the term should be positioned uh, intersectionally, um, not just within those four categories of emotional, physical, spiritual, and social, but anti-blackness and you know heteronormativity and gender and class, because it is designed to 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 apply an intersectional lens to the ways in which there's trauma in the space. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And so I wanted to um, return to the title of the book because you use the term black queer worth making, which is another one of the central contributions. And it seems to be sort of the, the flip side of what's happening in the gynecologist's office are the things that women are doing outside of it. And um, and you you mentioned this earlier when you were talking about the arguments, um, what people are doing to like revalue themselves. and. So the practices and activities that you found seem to appear in seemingly large and small ways, but um, they're like at meetings, at protests, at affirming oneself. Um, And so I wondered what is worth making and what does it look like in Brazil?
0: Wow. Thank you. Um, I'm just reminded that the book is just, it's a lot, right? It's, it was, um, it is, it's, it's, and what I mean is that, there's, there's so many layers to what I witnessed, right, as emotional labor, right? Like, what does it mean to be in the space and have to diffuse through how one would interpret anti-Blackness and rejection of the sexuality and the erasures of the existence within the space and elsewhere? Um, and at the same time, kind of carry those experiences, hide them, push them down right in memory, um, and then continue to kind of have all sorts of other other emotional labor around family care and work and this and that. Um, and, um, and so the worth making, the worth making for me, like I said earlier, kind of was birthed out of the ways that I wanted to understand subject formation, ways in which one makes some kind of liberatory, um, uh, not just, uh, well, space for themselves at times, at time, right? Even in a very tight constricting space, whether it's by placing the demands on the table, even if it's not listened or adhered to, um, or by way of needing to you know, seek a kind of self-care both in the moment or after as a result of experiencing, right, um, these forms of of social violence in medical spaces. Um, And so who who they are as both individual and collective in the medical space, um, that kind of very human, existential way of experiencing themselves and grounding themselves, whatever, however possible that is, um, for me, is... What I understood as kind of an ethical practice, um, but also uh, a, a way of valuing themselves regardless of what right the, the regardless of how the power attempts to strip them of who of how they value themselves, and I say that very intentionally because most of my participants are are uh, are 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 black queer women who are either resistant movements who kind of are engaged in practices of black consciousness, of, of queer consciousness, of, 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 of all sorts of um, um, practices that um, that resist and protest and even attempt to abolition, resistance right, of power and structural violence throughout, right? The, the, throughout the everyday world here in Salvador. Um, and and, and, th- and those lens, right, are brought into that space. Um, and, and so even in the act of engaging their own knowledge production around what is right and wrong when we're looking at structural violence um, and how that's experienced both structurally and intimately, right, it, it is, is, is part of worth making, right? It, it's part of worth making because they're they are saying this is I am worth – much more than what I'm experiencing, and this is what I need to do, right, um, to resist the protest or abolish that. Um, and at the same time, I also understood as a healthcare provider that we do not divide us, we do not leave ourselves at the medical front door, right? We bring all of who we are into that space, as much as right, medicine and tries to disembody, right, uh, who we are. Um, in many ways. Um, And so, and again, you know, the kind of recognizing that people, um, particularly my participants are more than objects, right, and subjects in the space is part of worth making. Um, However, ethnography ethnographically, I, 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 wanted to, and I set out to kind of create narrative around what that looked like in the everyday worlds, right? Around partners and caretaking a family and what was joyous and what was painful, um, what are struggles and, and what are wins, um, in the everyday, in the everyday worlds. And that's pretty much what you get around the medical narratives, right? The ways in which we can, um, we can, um, we can we can kind of immerse ourselves into what's important um, for survival, for growth and transformation, um, for liberation um, outside of the medical space for them. And so that that all of that is, is worth making.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that um, explanation. I think it's really important to, um, to to think about that and like to have a have a term in a way for it to, th- to make it a conscious practice because sometimes these are things that some people do and they might think, oh, I, you know, oh, I just do do this art practice or whatever. And, and it's like, well, no, you, you think, think about it as like re um, valuing yourself. Um, and that's really important when you're, you know, faced with these systems of toxicity, um, which to actually takes me to my next question, which is kind of about like the emotion and, you know, affect of the, of the project, because, you know, you attend very closely to emotion and affect and social toxins, which seem to be invisible and but quite harmful. And, you know, after I read the book, I kind of thought about it. And I kind of just pictured it like these are people going about their everyday lives, they go to the doctor, they go home. And so th- it's, it's sort of imperceptible, these kinds of um, some, some of these barriers that they're confronting. And one of the things you write is the black lesbians in this study need the world to understand that racism and other interlocking oppressions are symbolic and literal pollutants that they breathe into their bodies and that neg- negatively affect their well-being, or Bem-Estar. And, and one of the things you discuss is how a woman told you that she used like capoeira, which is like a martial art, to like release negative energy and emotion. And so, so I just wondered if you could talk about this aspect, like the emotion, affect, um, and it, how the seemingly ephemeral things are so important to our well-being. Hmm.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, I, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Uh, well, I'm just thinking, I'm, uh, you're, you're stretching my, you're stretching my memory. Um, we go. I'm going down the memory lane as, as, I'm, as, as you're, um, presenting the, the question, which is, which is, which is wonderful. Um, um, particularly for me. I mean, I actually don't want to forget by way of how I started the project, right? Um, which which was really uh, kind of investigating the very, what we think, look, what, the very very word that we often think is a very simple word, well-being, bemishtar, but it really isn't, right? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a term that it that uh, it just en- it en- compass- it, uh, encompasses so much but yet it's such a it is it, so critical right for our for our health right for for our um survival for 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 for, for doing more than surviving right um well being and so when i um when i asked my 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 interlocutors participants like what was well being for them Bemishtar, Um, which was initially part of early conversations um in fact they had they they had so much to say about it right i mean i think that i think that could be the case for most people um it's not just health um or physical health right it's also emotional health it's spiritual health it's 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 just being good right it's being it's being it's, 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 it's it's being in a good place um And what does it mean to not be in a good place when you're put in a bad situation, right. Um, in, in a, in a medical space, right. Um, when you're, when you're experiencing toxicity, um, in a medical space, um, toward you, and it's not even being recognized or acknowledged as such, um, insult and, um, you know, erasure, all of those things. Um, um and um and so i in the book uh through a very which, which I, what i think to be a very brazilian black feminist kind of lens i stretch well-being or star um so that we can both acknowledge all the different types of toxicities social toxicities right of of structural violence um both in in healthcare and the medical spaces but in the everyday world um, that impacts well-being. Because one of the things that was really, really important to me was for the medical community to recognize that this lo- these levels of trauma that are very intimate and are carried, um, you know, for a very long time by, by people um, um, and, and not released, um, not talked about, is is impact negatively, right? Their well being, like it breaks us down, right? Like it, it causes us to be sick, right? You know, whether we're physically sick or not. Um, and so, and 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 so that is right. So that was one one objective, one goal. But the other goal, main goal, really is that, um, or rather, what well, other main goal was to um, was to acknowledge um, the kind of uh, the, the the kind of um, the kind of the, the 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 kind of difficulties that black queer women or, or most people have of talking about this that level of trauma that happens in those spaces because you know, for the most part, this is the case for most people, you go into the doctor's office, and you might feel certain emotions, maybe good ones, maybe bad ones, right, depending, right, but these emotions are contained to something to about maybe your illness, right, if you have one, um, or medical condition, if you have one, but an emotion toward experiencing anti-Blackness or something else is usually not expressed in that space, right? We just stay contained and we stay in that kind of posture. And maybe we release it and maybe we don't when you leave the space. Um, But, and so it was very clear from my participants that that there were a whole host of emotions that they released and had not released over time. and that is part of well-being right like what how are we living within ourselves through all of this social memory that's traumatic right and how is it impacting our both corporal and emotional and physical well-being? Um, and so that is one of the, the, so the, the, so that is the so that's pretty much the impetus right for kind of Focusing on a Bemishtar, right? What does it mean to dream and reimagine a different different features, right? For Black women or Black women as well, right? Um, within a medical context, if we're not really taking seriously the ways in which our well being is being impacted by healthcare itself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea of um, opening up well being and really taking a look inside and thinking about what it what do we really mean when we talk about this because it, it doesn't always. Um, just saying quality that word. Life. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. We talk about Black life. We talk about the quality of Black life, you know, Black living. Many Black, school, school, black studies scholars, right, kind of take that up. Um, and so the, the interrogation of well being of Bamish star in this way is part of like, what do we mean when we say Black life, the quality of Black living? Mm
1: hmm absolutely um and so actually you that that brings me to the next question of like black scholars um because as i read through i noted you know this heavy use of black feminist theorists and authors um for the claims that you make and and you talked about this earlier you took this black feminist lens for the project um and i'm not going to name all the names but you, you named several black women scholars in the book and I'm, I'm gonna name some of them. Um, some of them were Afro Brazilian women like Conceição Ibaristo, Sueli Carneiro, Jeremo Wernacki, uh, Lilia Gonzalez. And then you mentioned some African American women or Black women like Audrey Lorde, Soreniel Hurston, Moreno Grady, Deirdre Cooper Owens. And black women anthropologists like Kristen Smith, Deborah Thomas, E. Davis, and Andrea Allen, and this is this is just to name a few, and and they come come from various disciplines as well, and like the art world and literature. So um, so you take this very multifaceted approach, and so I wondered um, this seemed like a very deliberate citational practice, and I wondered if you could uh, you know talk about this either you know your use of black feminist theory or your 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 approaches to to citation and theory building.
0: No, thank you, Megan, for that thank you. Yes. Thank you for that question. I, you know, I I had to grow into this citational practice. The commitment was always there, especially as someone who again shifted from clinical medical practice to then religious studies to then anthropology. And Along the way, I learned how to be a black feminist, um, but it was it had to be intentional for me over time because it wasn't my orientation. Right, kind of again shifting from um, from a world of clinical practice to um, to doing social science in a very humanistic way um, within a within a theme a topic that I was not seeing myself in, right? So in other words, neither in any academic literature in Brazil or in the US, was I seeing a black feminist lens on th- th- these these issues. Um, even in some of the Brazilian texts that I have that look at erotic and women and even either gynecology or, or just, you know, everyday living, um, you actually don't even see a lot of black Brazilian black feminism engaged in so great. And so we've had the same problem here in the U S right. Um, I mean, now, thankfully to Donna Iain Davis, right. We see a lot more engagement of what it, what it means to talk about medical racism, right. And reproduction. Um, and so it is deliberate. And, um, it is deliberate, but this deliberate uh, approach, um, I would say came after graduating <laughs> from the PhD and, and now sitting with the work and with all of the Brazilian, all the books from Brazil that I brought with me, Evaristo Conceição, I, I, um, excuse me, Conceição Evaristo, Soli Carcanero, um all the books. And, um, and sitting with them and also talking with mentors and now deciding, um, you know, what are going to be my citational practice, uh, practices, right? Um, and then I had to shift from a very kind of um, white male-centered lens of how you look at ethics um, and, 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 and apply that, not apply to it, right, but... Um, but re reoriented, reorient my, 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 my knowledge production in the writing of the ethnography of what it means. What, what are the different terms that I, that I, that I valued value and, and worth and, and so forth. Right. And, 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 and apply a black feminist lens to those terms, not necessarily to the, to the, to the canon of ethics. Um, yeah, and, and and so and 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 really, I just could not. Th- so I came back from the field committed to have a Brazilian citation practice, um, but that I wasn't able to fully conceive what that looked like till I started to actually write the book. Um, and in writing the book, it was it was it was difficult, but it was a beautiful dance um, because that relationship. The relationship that I knew already existed—the transnational one across Brazilian Black feminists and U.S. Black feminists—right was one that I was joining, at least in my mind, writing in the book, um, and in in writing it. Um, And so, and yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it is a beautiful. It was, it was a beautiful. Um, engagement and to bring all the women in conversation but also a very interdisciplinary one precisely again because it is the medical anthropology that needed a very humanistic lens um, and one that I was constructing um, on my own because right I'm not necessarily following a, a, a lineage of reproduction scholars right that are taking up the work that I'm doing
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah in these very yeah.
0: specific ways yeah
1: Hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because it's it's. I think it's really important to 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 think about that because many times, um, many of the classes that we take in the university, it, I mean, I know time, times are changing, but many times we don't read this material, and so you know we have to have to do it ourselves. And so you you know you did it. You did a great, beautiful job um, oh, bringing all these women into into conversation. <laughs> I liked when you were talking about like Zora Neale Hurston and how she had yes. these medical experiences, it's like who, yes. that's something that would have slipped my mind. I wouldn't have focused on that, but I thought, oh my gosh. Um, so lots lots is unearthed um, in just in the, the theory as well that you build upon in the book. Um,
0: yeah, well, let's just say one more thing. Cause now, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm also reminded that, and I, I was just very hungry, right? For black feminism when I started that tour program precisely because of the trajectory that I just described. And I mean Audie, um, Audie Lord, Zornia Hurston—you know, uh, intergenerational Black feminists—they um, were just, you know, they were all important to me. Particularly for me, um, you know, to, for me because I'm I I actually span across some of these generations as a, as an individual. Um, and and, um, and so yeah, it's um, I, I I saw connections, right? With the, with the with the ways that I was analyzing subjectivity, for example, right, A black female subjectivity, that history right was very important to me, um, um and yeah, so
1: and I, so I wanted to ask you about writing the book, um, and how I guess how you put the book together, and so you say that you center storytelling, um, and which you discuss in the introduction of the book. But you also you have you know regular chapters of the book and then you have these intervals and um the intervals are very short and in one interval for example you talk about this man who you met at a fair whose mother was a gynecologist and you know and he kind of wonders why it matters if a patient is a lesbian at a gynecologist's office and so he kind of gives you that like dominant view and I, I like that because i thought it was interesting because as an ethnographer myself, I also constantly meet people and I hear what they think about what I'm doing and researching. And they, you know they give me these little little nuggets, and I'm like, okay, you know they generally give me sort of the, the dominant line. Um, and I, I just thought it was interesting how you included these moments in the book and how, how you put the book together. And so I wondered um, if you could just talk about your you know structuring of the book or how you came to include these uh, interludes in the book.
0: I love all your questions, thank you. <laughs> this is really an amazing opportunity um, to, um, to for the public to understand, uh, to understand why the chapters, or how rather they communicate, which was no small feat um, because, so I needed to do a social historical, analysis, right? Again, here I'm back to the U.S. with all these books, right? I was constantly in in bookstores in Brazil during the field and then subsequent trips. And I have, I I mean, I came back with so many books on a history of medicine in Brazil, history of medicine in Brazil, gender and science in Brazil, so forth. And, And so chapter three became over time The kind of, the kind of the the space where um, we can, on the one hand, do a social historical analysis of anti-blackness, sexuality, homosexuality, and gender, and to kind of, kind of reflect on that history through the. What I consider as contradictions that I was getting, right from some very well-intentioned or good intentioned physicians, right that I interviewed. The physicians, most of the physicians that I interviewed in Brazil, right believed and had in part, right, a kind of good story to tell, right? But as right, in the conversations, right, we can I can kind of hear right, where they don't clearly see. How race is operating right, or racism or their own struggles right with with gender expression or sexuality or their actual struggles right as in that doctor Asandra. sandra so it was so um and so however, then chapter three becomes as right as what I call the contact zone right the kind of a kind of space of where um this, again, narrative making, both social historically and this narrative making kind of continues, right? You know, into this very late modern, you know, medical practice, right? That we really continue to see here in Brazil um, and how these issues um, kind of permeate, right? Um, the healthcare, but even the haunting, right, of this history. Um, and so in that sense, I only have two interludes so that the reader can, after, after, after sitting with the lives of, of black, of Brazilian black black women, the first two chapters, then you kind of cross into right into this medical world, social historically, right? And more infrastructurally, and then you kind of cross out of it. Right, so the um, the two interludes are intended for that, or to kind of divide, if you will, um, the worlds of, um, the 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 social worlds, right of of my of of my participants. Um, although in chapter three, I do have one participant, Luciana, but but that was that was situated for a very specific reason, um, and to highlight right much of what the physicians were telling me, but but yeah. And I and the interludes. I also actually so that interlude that you mentioned. um, I just needed to find a space for it. I felt like I could not publish a book without it because the one thing um, I have another article where I talk about kind of me where I talk about um, you know in and um, engaging right encountering gynecology being made on the streets right by professionals. um it's just, just another example right of how kind of of how medical thinking and ideologies and how's in, intertwined with the social is not just within the medical space, right, but it's just everywhere. um and so yeah that's that's uh
1: yeah i like that too with what, what you said about having to find a place for it because so many of us have these stories or whatever and it's like where do i where do i put this one um and so and sadly sometimes when you're writing a book you know you have to have to take out some of the things that you want so badly to put in so um i really appreciated those intervals and those yeah you know, those stories
0: yeah um, yeah oh, and if i can just also add the chapter four then becomes this ethics chapter that it's about protest right it's about um, it's about knowledge production and practices right and in 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 that that's resisting and protesting and abolishing abolishing these systems of power um, and so the into so the so the interlude right is it's it's, it's it, it, it 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 kind of it transitions right us into that world which is really Chapter four is a response to the structural violence of chapter three. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for those explanations. Um, That is, uh, I like that intentionality of the, the intervals are like a bridge between these worlds of the chapters. Um, so this is the, I guess, kind of second to last question, but okay. it's about, uh, I guess, your method of, of doing the research. And, you know, you, ha- you mentioned this earlier, you have this unique background in that you are a medical pro- professional, um, as well as an anthropologist or social scientist. And, and so on page 83, you talk about how it was um, impossible to turn off or separate my clinical gaze from my performance as an anthropologist but your, your clinical experience was this valuable instrument um, that you talk about. And so I wondered how you navigated these knowledge sets that you have during research and field work. Um, you know, How did your clinical experience help help you, um, maybe challenge you in, in different ways um, as you were doing this research and this field work?
0: It both helped and challenged, uh, that is, that's for sure. Uh, but the challenges were also generative. Fact. Um, I, on the one hand, I, as someone who has even conducted pelvic exams, right, of others. Um, I mean, it's one thing to, um, you know, to write about something that we might experience ordinarily, right, as you know, recipients of a pelvic exam, but it's another it's just once the, the the kind of care and right and and. The, the kind of the kind of literal literal care right that you might take when you're going to conduct a public exam um, and wondering right whether others are doing the same right um, and 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 so but the ways in which it mostly helped um, was a kind of a very a very deep connection with my, participants, interlocutors with, you know, with, with, you know, black, black queer, black queer women. Um, they, while my, uh, my identity as a black queer woman kind of bridged some of the trust um, in receiving their very sensitive, uh, their sensitive stories. Somehow the ways I could perceive that their um, awareness about my depth of medical knowledge and insight into healthcare and how that works, um, and imagining and taking seriously how power works inside of healthcare, because I know, like, you know, scientifically how it it already works. it's 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 it just allowed for a very a much more organic conversations um, with, um, and I deeply believe that um, that it it um, that you know that my participants um, were able to you know we never we don't really think about these conversations for research as transformative. But I have evidence based on reflections years, years later that they in fact were, right? Um, and in part, it I think you know it really it's, it's it's a result, right, of trusting someone that can themselves engage in particular ethical practices with the information because of the multi lens, right? That's being that's being brought and the ways in which that's experienced by them. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. But the other way that the, 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 the two other the other two comments I want to make is, in fact, I was able to use my medical uh, identity and my depth of knowledge about how gynecology and medicine works with the physicians. Right. Because when you in when I was in front of them, again, I'm a I'm a black woman in front of them. Right. I mean, I remember one time showing up to an interview with a physician and they literally just walked right by me um, as they came to get who they knew was waiting in the waiting room. Right. As the, the ethnographer, the anthropologist. and They thought I was just another patient right um why they were not expecting a black person right they were expecting a white American um and um and so you know and so I I there were times where I had to probe and elicit specific informations uh about the, the social issues within the space right um I, by helping them to kind of, You know, separate, right? The, the, you know, or or helping them, helping them see different sides to, to what these experiences might look like. Anyway, so, so that's, so that was, so, so it was helpful in that sense. But I think ultimately, um, I had to embrace, you know, two hats, these two hats, anthropologist and the physician assistant in writing the book, and just allow myself to, you know, imagine right what does it mean to be in the medical space in the ways that i was hearing it but making it clear as clear as i could for those who can't see it in the ways that i saw it so it's kind of like it helped me render more visible that which is invisible in some ways and hopefully right it worked Mm
1: -hmm. oh absolutely i think it definitely definitely worked um as well i think the book was very it, it was very informative um for me, um, and so I wanted to ask you. I guess the, the last question is: uh, now that this book is out in the world, um, what are you working on next, or or what are you you know planning on working on? Like, what's on the horizon for you?
0: Okay. Yes. Um, well, as you know, we all quickly move on to something else um, <laughs> immediately after. Um, um, and so I do my next project um, book project. So the, so the next book project, which I'm inside of now writing, um, is not ethnography actually, but it's a kind of systems analysis of, um, sexual violence in, in, in medicine in the U S an issue that's very global as well, but, um, and I will have a global chapter, but, um, but it's a, it's a, it's another focus on gynecology, um, and kind of intimate violence, but in a different way in the space. Um, but it's looking at it's, it's, it's a systems of power because of the ways in which we're not accounting for what race looks like um, in 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 the in the because of the absence of, of data or the 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 lack of attention to to complaints um, and by way of where. These balances are registered in the U.S. Um, it, so anyway, so 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 it's a so in, in and so it's a so it's a it's a it's a systems analysis of that violence systemically, um, but through the lens of right sexual and racial um, um, violence in medicine, right social historically. So that's so that's the book that I'm writing now. Um, but I'm also engaging in um, visual culture and creating a medical illustration that's informed by the first book. So it's not necessarily about Brazil um, and, and and just for Brazil. Um, but it's it has started um, um, it, 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 in English. Um, but I'm 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 making um, and. Um, so, so in my lab gynecologics justice lab at UT we're we're making medical illustration um, that speaks to some of the issues that I that I write about in the book um, so yeah so th- those are the projects that I'm working on Wow
1: wow that sounds incredibly g- generative and very very important work so um, we'll look forward to to seeing seeing what comes next and, and that's really just amazing Um so thank you so much for talking to us about your book, Unseen Flesh. Um, I'm Reagan Gillum. I've been speaking to Dr. Nisette Fallu, who is the author of the book, Unseen Flesh, Gynecology and Black Queer Worth Making in Brazil, published by Duke University Press. Thank you so much for writing this book and for sharing it with us on the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for this invitation.